0: Alright, recording's on. Uh, the topic I have today, if the Lord helps, is one that God's people regularly get really excited about. The chastening of the Lord. The, the chastening of the Lord. I, I want us to think about it in some different ways. Um, but if you want to turn with me, I'm in Hebrews chapter 12. I actually read this last week, but it wasn't part of the primary thought, but Hebrews chapter 12, I'll actually just start at the beginning of the chapter, just a set of context. So Hebrews chapter 11, we've, we've seen examples of how the power of faith is on display in the lives of God's people. And, and we talked last week about how it's, it's not about the people in this hall of faith. The emphasis isn't on the people, it's on faith. The power of faith, what God is able to do through faith. And so then in chapter 12 we see, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight, Ye have not yet resisted unto blood, striving against sin, and ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. If ye endure chastening, God dealeth with with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the Father chasteneth not? But if ye be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then are ye bastards, and not sons. Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh, which corrected us, and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the Father of spirits, and live? For they verily for a few days chastened us after their own pleasure, but he for our profit, that we might be partakers of his holiness." Now, no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous, nevertheless, afterward it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. Wherefore, lift up the hands which hang down and the feeble knees, and make straight paths for your feet, lest that which is lame be turned out of the way, but let it rather be healed and I'll stop there when when we think about the word chastening or chastisement. They have negative connotations. In fact, if you look it up in Merriam-Webster, it will show that the etymology of the word comes from the Latin word castigare, which means to punish or to flog. It's the same word from which we get castigate. That's where we get chasten or chastise or chastisement, and it seems very negative. However, that's in English. What we have in scripture is a translation into English from Greek. Yes. And Greek is different. Yes. Here in chapter 12, when we have the word chastisement or chastening, the word is paidia or any of the various forms of that word. paidaya Which doesn't mean to scourge. It means to train. Amen. Amen. It is the entire system of teaching. The entire system of training. From youth. From childhood. On to adulthood. Now it can include some degrees of of severity in that. Consequences for correction. But it is not, as we would say, punishment. Castigare would include punishment. Punishment, if you look up punishment, and we we think of that because we think of being punished for our sins. Or, we've all kind of laughed about it, but we've heard... We've heard it said, you know, the Lord whooped me all over the place. The Lord whooped me all night long. I got to do this or the Lord will whoop me. Because we fear that we'll be punished for failure to do something we were told to do or doing something we were told not to do. And while we kind of laugh about that because it's, well, it just sounds funny. But how many of us here have ever felt like you're being punished by the Lord for something? Uh, now, let's, let's be honest. Let's be honest. When circumstances get hard or things haven't gone the way that you think they should... Or you think that blessings have been withheld. Have any of us ever thought... Because I know I have. I've thought at least to to myself... I must be being punished for something. <laughs> what did I do to deserve this? Anyone ever thought that? Maybe in the deep, dark recesses of your mind? Of course. And what, what brings this up is, is that idea that we think of it as punishment. But I want us to understand that punishment such as comes from the word castigare, which is a Latin term that did not appear in Scripture, but from which we get chastise, which is how we translate a Greek word, it changes it changes the context. Absolutely. Do we understand? So if we think of it in, in terms of that, then we think of punishment like we're being like we're receiving retribution for our wrong. And what I want us to realize today that scripture is clear, that for those of us who've been saved, there is therefore now no condemnation Amen. for them that are in Christ. Amen. Yes. You cannot receive punishment, you cannot receive retribution for guilt if there is no more guilt. Good, good, good. And maybe this message isn't so much for us, it serves as a good reminder for us, but it it is being recorded so maybe someone that hears this needs to know that when things come in your life and and you feel as though you're being punished if you are a child of god you are not being punished because there is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in christ so why are things hard why is there a chastening of the Lord? Even with the, the paedaya, that, that word that is used, which incidentally is the same root from which we get pedagogy. Pedagogy is the art or the science of teaching. And we don't think of the way that the Lord teaches as being destructive or hurtful but why not why why can't we look at things the same way we look at our earthly relationships that's even in the scripture for what son is he whom the father chasteneth not It's comparing an earthly relationship and I I think of my girls and they do wrong and and this has actually challenged the vocabulary that I use because I've talked to them about punishment when they do wrong. But am I really punishing them or am I correcting them? I'm not doling out retribution because they did me wrong and I'm going to get my revenge on them. That's punishment. They're my children and I love them. And they need to understand that everything has, has consequences. That's part of the lesson that you learn. That's, that's one of the lessons that we learn. Is they need to understand that if they disrespect mommy or if they defy mommy or daddy then they're going to be chastened. I'm going to correct them, whether it be timeout in a corner, or if it's severe enough, yes, even a spanking. Because there are wages for that which they have done that is an affront to authority. And it's not that I'm angry with them and gonna get them for it. I have to teach them that. Why? Because it's my job to model them that so that as they're bigger, they'll understand that just as the wages for their defiance of mommy and daddy was some kind of correction, the wages of sin is death. It's part of teaching them that all actions have consequences. But it's a correction in love. When they begin to take things for granted such as their TV time then what do we do? We limit their TV time. We begin to take away privileges so that they stop seeing those as something that they can take for granted or as inherent rights but rather blessings and privileges. It's instructive. And so I'm being challenged now to change my vocabulary in the way that I speak with them. Whether or not I'll be successful all at once, (laughs) probably not. It takes a long time to change a habit. But if I can see that viewpoint, then that helps me to understand why God brings things into my life. Or perhaps into yours. because yeah it was it was miraculous and and is miraculous the way that the holy spirit teaches me and particularly some of you who who remember where i was just 4 or 5 years ago to see what the lord has done in me in that time to to bring around a change in my understanding a transformation in in the way that i understand scripture and, and seek out his wisdom. That's all the work of the Holy Spirit in teaching me. Amen. That too was a chastening of the Lord because it is the entire system of instruction. Yes, it is the textbook learning. The Padaya is the textbook learning, the, the ways that you are mentored and brought up and taught. But now, for those of you who've heard my testimony, where was I before I surrendered to a call to preach? Where was my mindset? Where was my heart? Was I filled with contentment and joy in life? No. Because before I could receive that kind of instruction, the Lord had to correct me in other ways. There had to be a chastening. I had to be instructed. And we have that even today amongst us now. Here in Hebrews he says, Despise not thou the chastening of the Lord. But he doesn't say it for the first time in Hebrews. In fact, he says, Ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. Which basically is a way of saying, You've forgotten this old saying. This old saying that you would have known from your youth. Which indicates that it's probably from scripture. Anyone know where despise not thou the chastening of the Lord comes from? Is it in the law? No. Is it in Proverbs? That sounds wise, doesn't it? It's not in Proverbs. It's not even in the Psalms. It's in Job. It's in Job. Now, if ever there was anyone who learned to understand the chastening of the Lord, there's the man. And so, again, to counter this thought that maybe sometimes we are punished, let's remember that Job was called by God Himself the most righteous man alive. Yep. Amen. Job didn't claim that title for himself. God said, Have you considered my servant Job? And yet Job had to be chastened of the Lord. Why? Well, if you look hard enough at the story, you see several things that can speak to us. Number one, first and foremost, our lives are not our own, but we are bought with a price. And every servant of the Lord is owned of the Lord. We talk about being free in Christ, but that's because we're free to belong to Christ. But we belong to Christ. We belong to the Lord. We are his inheritance. We are his possession, meaning we are not our own. So God, whose first priority is his own glory, can use us however he sees fit to bring about that end. So that when Satan comes as an accuser, and God says, if you considered my servant Job, and Satan says, yeah, but that's because you've blessed him. If you take away his blessing, he'll curse you. We don't know what conversations are going on in the heavenly realms. But God is well within his rights to say, you think so? I will validate my glory in his life. Do what you will, but don't touch his life. God chastened Job for his own glory. And he's allowed to do so because Job was his possession. And so it is with us. There are times that we may encounter chastening that is not really primarily to instruct us, but rather to instruct the world or the enemy about the glory of God within us. Yes. Yes. Amen. There's one. However, in that trial, we find out that Job, as righteous as he was, had just a little bit of pride about his righteousness. Don't we? As we we read the story, Job says, Why me? I've been upright all the days of my life. And his three friends come and say, Well, obviously not, because God wouldn't punish. God wouldn't punish you if you hadn't done wrong. Well, Joe wasn't being punished. And then Elihu comes, the only the young but wise one comes and puts them all to shame. But then ultimately, and part of what Elihu said was, he said, Who surely it would be right for someone to say, I have received chastisement. I will offend no more. In other words, I have received correction. Even a righteous man should say, I have received correction. I will offend no more. But Job was just a little bit prideful in his righteousness. And he wondered, why me? And then you have that fabulous manifestation of God where he says, stand on your feet and answer me like a man. Because you've dared to question me. Where were you when I set the foundations of the universe? That's all a paraphrase, of course. But the chastening that God sent to Job served to show Job his own unrighteousness. Even if, it was, even if it was just in that pride and that arrogance that he was willing to stand and question God Almighty in a defiant sense. Now I'll get to that in a minute. I don't think God minds our questions. But when you're defiant, that's a different thing. And what a fearful thing to have God come and say, answer me like a man. But the chastening that Job endured showed him, enlightened for him his own unrighteousness, his arrogance, his pride. But it also served to correct him, to bring him back to a place of humility, to humble himself before the Lord, to know his place. And once he was back in his place, once he had learned his lesson, and once God had received the glory that he wanted from the exercise, then all was restored and more. See, we see that in Scripture too. I mean, even in the epistles, we hear, Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. Now, unfortunately, we have some preachers around that will say, You just have to humble yourself before the Lord and He'll bless you. And conveniently leave out the in due time. That's not far removed from sow your seed of faith. Only sowing your seed is replaced with be humble. Be humble so the Lord will bless you. Well, if you're being humble so the Lord will bless you, you're not actually being very humble. And the Lord doesn't bless false humility. But anyway, so we see that in Job, he was chastened, he was corrected, God was glorified, he was made more into the image of Christ. And then he was exalted in due time. So how much more for our lives? When things are not as we thought they would be, when suffering comes. Peter even tells us that we can expect as such where he talks about uh, "Blessed blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again into a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that fadeth not away reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time, wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season if need be, Ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations, or trials, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perishes, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. See, sometimes the chastening of the Lord is about the trial of our faith. And first and foremost, the goal is that our faith might be found unto the glory and honor of the Lord. Now how does it it accomplish that? By molding us into the will of God, which is that we would be more like Christ, who also suffered, who was also chastised. Now he suffered a he suffered a chastisement more like the Castigare type. He was punished. He received retribution for wrongdoing that was not his own. He received our retribution. But yet, scripture in Isaiah tells us that the chastisement of our peace was upon him. And even in Hebrew, that word chastisement means teaching. So what did the Lord have to learn? Well, as a human, I I believe that part of it was that he learned obedience through all of it. And therefore, is a better model for us. But the key there is it's the chastisement of our peace, of our peace. Christ's suffering also taught us what the cost of our reconciliation is. That there is a cost for us to be reconciled to the Lord. And it was instructive for us. And that is why time and time again in the epistles we hear Peter, we hear John, we hear Paul all talk about if need be let us be partakers in his suffering. Let us bear that cost with him because we understand that there is a cost for the peace with God that we have received. But we also understand That as we suffer with him, we're made more like him. But we're in a soft society. And when times are hard from day to day, we kind of stop learning. But if we can look at the situations that come our way and keep in mind that we are not being punished, it is a wrong question to ask, what did I do to deserve this? It's natural. It's natural. It's, it's a human thing to do. In fact, when, when my mom was, was declining so much, my sister time and time again would say, what did mama do to deserve this? And I couldn't, at least at that time, and I don't know that I ever could have gotten through to her, I couldn't get through to her that, Mom, was not being punished? I don't know that I understood at the time, even as much as I do now, Amen. that she was learning. Oh, but what a beautiful lesson she learned. We sang it as well with my soul. and. And and my sweet mama, who had all the mental faculties there, she knew what was happening to her. She just couldn't do anything about it. So she knew what was happening. And yet she accepted it with a grace and a submission. So that every time I was there, she would ask me to sing it as well with my soul. And every time I got to... Every time I got to the chorus, she couldn't help but have her little hand in the air. Now, I don't know that had my mom not gone through that, that she would have been in that place, in that state. But what a beautiful lesson she learned about being subject, subject to God's will and being in submission to him. And what a beautiful lesson she taught us. We saw the same thing with Russell. Many of us wondered, why? Why him? What did he do? Anyone ask yourself, what did he do to deserve this? He didn't do anything. But we also heard some of the last things that he said to us, the things he talked about seeing and experiencing and feeling. And what a beautiful lesson to learn if it's the last thing you learn on this side. To learn that you're safe in the hand of God. And that then God used that to teach us the same. Those were not punishments, but they were chastenings. They were experiences designed to teach. And somewhat to correct, sometimes it's for correction, but sometimes it's just for teaching. and it's also to bring about the glory of God and didn't we see that in his life and didn't he use it marvelously to teach us a valuable lesson but we see that in our own when when as a church we feel like we're we're floundering in some ways I I don't mean floundering like failing just you know we're We're not making progress. And I know we've had this conversation where we want to know where we're going. We want to know where we're going. Perhaps we're under some chastening now. I don't know that we're being corrected. But I'm wondering now if all this time that we've spent, or that I've spent, let me speak for me, because I can't speak for everyone, but I think there's some unity here. For all the time that I've spent wondering, what's next? Where are we going? Where are we headed? Maybe instead of wondering where we're headed and what's next, we should be asking, what is the Lord trying to teach us through this time right now? Because obviously there's a lesson. And the same thing, like, I can't speak for everyone here but I know different ones of us have different struggles but, but you all know mine in, in terms of employment and, and just feeling kind of stuck like I'm not able to do what I'd like to do what did I do to deserve this wrong question What am I supposed to be learning? Here I thought in all honesty, I thought when we left Alabama we'd be moving in because the Lord was getting ready to do a, a, a great thing. It was going to be a powerful move because you you know you have that energy of a, of, a, of a new calling and a new direction. And then three years later, I'm still in my mother-in-law's house. why and as I've thought about this over the last days just like Job had to be shown his unrighteousness his arrogance, his pride maybe I've had to be where I am so that I could learn how to be dependent on someone again because for too long I depended on me, not even really on the Lord. So maybe this is a concrete lesson for an abstract truth that I can't depend on myself, but I have to depend on Him. So maybe some of us are learning similar lessons. Maybe some of us are having our pride broken because from the time I was 21 or 22, I was on my own. I was it was just me i made it my own way that's some arrogance maybe maybe if we're dealing with illnesses it's a, it's along the same lines i'm, I'm not even going to try to i could take way too long Trying to venture possible reasons that God may bring various types of chastening into our lives. But you can look into your own life and see where you feel like in the past maybe you felt like you were being punished. But look at it new and know that the chastening is not a punishing, but it's a correcting. You're not being punished. For those who may listen later, I want you to know whatever you're experiencing, whatever God is allowing to come into your life, you are not being punished if you belong to Him. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ but you can and will and should be corrected. And if the Lord loves you enough to teach you and guide you and correct you, then you should embrace that. And we know in Hebrews that it says, now no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Yes, it hurts. Yes, it's painful. But it produces a fruit of righteousness. The trial of your faith works patience. Patience also means perseverance. Not patience in that you can just sit and bear it, but patience in that you can make it and you can carry on until the promise is revealed in its entirety. The trying of your faith brings forth a fruit of righteousness in you to make you more like Christ. And that honors and glorifies God. So rather than fight against it, rejoice in it. Somehow it hurts, but somehow rejoice in it and surrender to it. Because again, just like when I'm correcting my girls, if, if they fight me, if, if I tell them to go to timeout, they won't go to timeout, they're in timeout for longer. If, if they fight the correction, then the correction just lasts that much longer and is that much more extreme. So it is for us if we fight against the pricks of God's correction in our lives. And we have this, again, the arrogance will pop up and say, well, Lord, I've learned my lesson. When's the relief coming? I've learned in, in my time as a, as a teacher at Doremi, I've, I've kind of learned to be able to look at the body language and, and, and the facial reactions of students in my class, and I can tell when they're with me, and I can tell when I just lost one or when I lost half the class. I got two advanced they fell off the wagon, I better back up and pick them up and go a little slower. That's part of the mark of, of a good teacher, is not only being able to communicate, but also being able to have the back and forth, the yin and yang, and, and to understand when your students are grasping you. Well, let me tell you that the Lord is a wonderful teacher. And I've had students that say, Oh, yeah, I understand it. And even their facial language says that they've got it. But then you give them homework, give them a little assignment, and they don't got it. In fact, you think maybe they need to go back a grade. You can't fool the Lord. You can fool yourself into thinking, I've learned what I need to learn. I'm ready for the next level. And you may wonder why the chastening continues. But the Lord is a wonderful teacher. And He sees the heart. And He knows when His children have learned the lesson. He knows when we have learned what we needed to learn. He knows when we're ready to proceed. And that is why there is no promise that when you humble yourself, I'll bless you. It's humble yourselves before the, humble yourselves therefore in the, I can't even quote it right now. Humble yourselves before God and he will exalt you in due time. When you're ready, when he's ready. So this season I'm in, and it's all seasons. This season I'm in, I don't know how much longer it'll last. I feel like I've learned a lot, but have I haven't learned it all. Sometimes I feel like there's nothing else I can learn. Come on, Lord. <laughs> but that's where we have to learn to trust him. That he knows my heart and he knows when I'm ready. And like Job, when I'm ready, all that I fancy that may have been taken away or stripped away will be returned and multiplied. And the same is true for all of you and for anyone who may be listening. If you feel that the Lord has stripped you of something or taken something away as punishment, it is not punishment, but it is correction. And He is being glorified by the trial of your faith. You are being corrected and formed and shaped more into the image of Christ. Your suffering is trying your faith and making it more precious. And once you have learned, once the master teacher knows that you've learned the lesson he has to teach, He will redeem the wasted time. Brother Josh taught a lesson about uh, redeeming the wasted years sometime back. Whether it be days, weeks, months, years, or even decades. When we submit to his instruction, to his training, and allow him to have his way then in due time he will redeem the wasted time. And the same is true for our little church here. For those of us who may feel like we've been spinning our wheels or wasting opportunities, or I, I don't know how different ones of us would, would word, I wouldn't even necessarily call it discontent, but just the feeling of being stuck I know some of us have had that some of us maybe haven't some of us may be wiser than others but I know this we're one body and until we all come to an understanding of what is it the Lord's trying to do within us then we can't really move forward so what is the Lord trying to teach us Let's not despise the chastening of the Lord, which means not, you know, we use the word despise to mean I I despise broccoli or something, like I hate it. No, that's not that word despise. It means to hold in low esteem. Or it can mean to not like very much, but really it's any kind of, of disrespect towards. Let's not despise the chastening of the Lord, but seek out what it is that he's trying to accomplish in us. Through that chastening. And let's embrace it because when we are chastened, we know we are sons and daughters. For whom he chasteneth, the Lord loveth. If you're being chastened, he loves you. You're not being punished. He loves you. He loves us, unworthy rascals that we are. Now, if you're not his, seek him, seek him, because there is a day coming. When the wrath of God will be revealed against all unrighteousness. And that is a wrath of God. That is not teaching. That is punishment, plain and simple. That is punitive action. That is retribution against an affront to a holy God. You may call it what you want. But it's hell. It's hell. It's eternal separation from God. Because sin is an affront to God, and we have all sinned. But seek the Lord while He may be found. He is merciful. Seek the Lord. Fall on his mercy. By chance you may be saved. And if you are saved. Then there is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ. All the guilt is wiped away. Doesn't mean there's no more pain. Or no more suffering. Because there is still a chastening. Of his children. Whom the Lord loves. Don't despise the chastening. Learn the lessons that we need to learn. Embrace them. And be thankful that the Lord loves us enough to teach us how to be more like our elder brother Jesus. That we may live to the praise and honor of his glory.